McNulty's done it pretty well to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good change by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, scores yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They've won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce and Matt Corrick. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Bobby fans and welcome to the PO Forecast episode 30. Well it's the 30th episode, the 30th anniversary episode you can even say. And today I've got a guest on the show who I really really have wanted to get um, on the show for a long time now. His name's Greg, although you guys might know him on Twitter as at Walks This Way. So me and Greg have been messaging, chatting, whatever you want to call it on Twitter for quite a long time now daily even sometimes um, for the last couple of years just talking Pompey and I thought he'd be the perfect guest to have on the show and really just dive into that emotional checker trade trophy win as well as you know looking forward to the rest of the campaign and really we went off topic a bit here and there and really got into some interesting conversation for you guys who messaged me saying a couple of episodes back it wasn't long enough uh, I hope you really enjoy this one. I think it's the longest episode we've ever done. So, yep, listen up, and here's me and Greg. I'm good. How are you, Hugh? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. I'm really glad to have you on the show. Um, yeah, Thank I'm you. Sure, I'm, sure. I'm sure the listeners are going to be really happy to have you on here as well, mate. So, let's get into this. It was an absolute crack of a game. In part one, we're going to be going over the Checker Trade Trophy victory. Uh, in part two... We're going to be doing our usual debate, followed by some potential transfer talk. And in part three, we'll be previewing the Wickham game. So, check a trade trophy win. Greg, what do you think? What's your emotional feeling about the game, first of all? How did you feel when we won? Okay, well, I'll start with the top. Um, as, I've, as you know, I've been not the biggest fan of check a trade trophy, but I love my team. And I've I was nervous um, because Sunderland are big dogs. Um, last time I checked, before we started this, they were 3-0 up against Accrington with barely any time to go. Yeah. So they're still, obviously, it hasn't damaged them that much. But I was genuinely over the moon that we won it. I don't care like if people make jokes, it's a Tim Pot trophy or whatever. It's a confidence boost. And at this critical stage of the season, you need to win that final. You know, we, we've been... Our form's been improving month by month, and I'm so happy for the guys, including yourself and the other 40, how many, 41,000 Portsmouth fans, I believe? Yeah, about that, wasn't it? Warden Sunderland. I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because our friends over at Roker Report weren't too happy about the ticket allocation, I know that. Ah, well, you win some, you lose some. Um, Precisely. uh, It was an absolutely thrilling game. The first half and uh, Portsmouth fan was a bit forgettable. Um, I don't think we really got um, into like fifth gear, if you will. Yeah. Um, 
but the guys dug deep. Um, yeah, I mean, Nathan Thompson, of all the people, and it was quite ironic because I was watching it and uh, the commentator said, oh, Nathan Thompson's a brilliant player, but he's never scored for Portsmouth. Did he? I didn't hear that from the commentary, obviously. Uh, being there. I have a different commentary from you because I was watching it abroad. Yeah, sure. So um, just for people who don't know, Greg's doing this live from Germany. So this will be the first international episode of the PO forecast. Flying the flag for Europe. There you go. No offence, Brexit fans. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I'm just, just going to say on that basis, um, if people are listening to the show, they would have known last week that me and Andy um, from Fratton Faithful, who did the podcast last week, put up a bet. I bet on Lee Brown. Andy bet on Nathan Thompson to score first. And I remember the goal just going in and mm-hmm. just thinking, wait a sec, Andy's just won, I think it's sort of like 80 odd quid or something from the PO4 pass bet. Which um, I have to say, he's going to kindly share half and half, as we said, that if someone did win, they would share it. But yeah, so no, Nathan Thompson, obviously he's not renowned for his goal scoring, but when he went up for that header, he, he could tell he absolutely wanted it, didn't he? he? He put everything into it. He's not the largest of guys either. He seemed to sort of fly through the air as he made contact with that goal. The, the power behind that header was like unbelievable. That's a full-on Hawkins, perfectly connected smack of a header from a guy that's, I'm not sure how tall he is, but he's definitely not the biggest. No, he's not at all. I think he's one of the shortest in the team, actually. But I think, yeah, I think that, do you think that Gareth Evans, for instance, he came on, he created that cross, didn't he? He just lifted it back up at at the back post. It was a beautiful ball to, to get it to Nathan Thompson. Do you feel that Evans changed the game a bit when he came on? Uh, to be honest with you, I cannot dispute that for a single second. And again, with the commentator was saying, like, literally, Evans changed the game. I mean, for me, I was torn with Evans and Mandela match because I very rarely pick a second half player um, to play Mandela match, but coupled with the extra 30 minutes played, uh, that, let's be honest, that was a very cheeky penalty. <clears throat> Excuse me. There was a very cheeky penalty in the shootout. If you remember, it squirmed yeah. under the goalkeeper. Yeah, just but, yeah, about. Gareth Evans is a game changer. He's a set piece specialist. I mean, him and Donahue are two players that are set piece specialists, in my opinion. Um, I feel feel for Dion because he's not had the best of luck of injuries, but he's, you know, he's his corners and his free kicks. I mean, it's difficult because Evans was playing in the right position, but when you've got Lowe and Curtis and Evans and only two wings, yeah, it's a headache, I guess, it is. for Mr. Duffy. Yeah, it is, especially when you've got uh, Brett Pittman, who's sort of returned to the side, isn't he, and really taken hold of that number 10 role. Um, how, how, uh, how did you feel about um, Pittman starting in number 10? Are, are you a fan? Um, actually, yes, I am. Um, I do feel for Hawkins, of course, um, that Bogle comes in front of him. But again, it's a selection headache, which isn't the worst to have. Um, but Pittman, he's grown in that role. I mean, let's be honest. Did you honestly think Pittman would see out two hours of football? No, I didn't. No, not at all. Uh, the, and I mean this in the most sincere way. And I mean no disrespect to Bogle, but he is working on his match fitness. But the only risk with starting Bogle is he's a substitute you will have to make. Yeah. So that means you've only got two left, I suppose, after you do the inevitable that, that substitution. 
I believe I used to feel sometimes with Pittman for that, but I've noticed looking back, it's normally a tactical change. Yeah, he's he's definitely worked on his fitness, isn't he? Because I remember quite near the end of the game, a ball went down the wing and Jamal Lowe is chasing it and Pittman seemed to overtake him at one point. No, he just, did. There was a lot yeah. of jokes on that. Actually overtook Jamal Lowe. <laughs> you just got to say to Jamal that he, he was either doing three-quarter pace or he was just knackered. <laughs> bit of A, bit of B, I think. Bit of both. Bit of both. Um, yeah, so just moving on, we'll talk about Jamal Lowe. That goal he, he scored, I mean, I'll be honest, I was behind the goal down the bottom and um, I thought it was over from the angle it was in, because it just dropped so suddenly, didn't it, into the back of the net? So the angle, you know, you're sitting behind the goal and it just drops in. Um, I think he thought he won the game, didn't he? Because he just sort of ran off, he took the shirt off, which obviously doesn't matter because you can't carry yellow cards on through um, into the league. And yeah, I think we'd all thought we'd won it. I was actually planning my pre-celebration drinks at that point afterwards. To be honest, I don't think there was a single person in that stadium on either side of the fan base would think that that wasn't the winner. That you know, 116 minutes, I recall. Yeah, I, I think even the Sunderland fans at the time probably felt, okay, that's it now. You know, but yeah, um, what no, a goal! Sure. I, he, I did read that he said, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if it'd go over. I was ready to pick it up, but I, I recorded it and shared it as you know. Yeah, and if you watch it, he just stands there the way Messi does when he knows a goal's going in. Yeah, I think he was the, he was probably the only person, wasn't he, on the pitch? I think he was a bit, bit modest by saying that because if you think for a second, I would imagine I'm not a professional footballer, but I would imagine if you think for a single second that ball might come back out, you wouldn't stand there. No, you'd, you'd be chasing that ball. And yeah. he just looked there, calm as a cucumber. So either he knew it was in, or he fought in or over. But what a goal! What a goal. It's just, um, it's a little sad that wasn't the winner. Yeah, for sure. Because I think when the ball comes over the top, he, the first thing he does that is that that first touch to bring the ball down really um, sold, the, sold the defender, didn't it? Um, which yeah, is sort of, and then he just sort of managed to open that space up. And there's something in goalkeeper. Is it McLaughlin? Yeah. Uh, McLaughlin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a good goalkeeper as well. So it's not an easy. Um, it's not easy to find him usually out of position to be able to pull off that sort of move. So that just shows the confidence, really, that Jamal Lowe's got at the moment, which is great because he has been scoring in previous games. And I'm hoping he'll, he'll take that form into the rest of the season. He has got the lowdown. Yay. <laughs> First fun. First fun. <laughs> First fun. Like it. Yeah, no, so I think at, at the stadium itself, I've got to say as a day out being there, it was pretty incredible because it had a sort of a strange feeling. It wasn't like being at an FA Cup final in which everything was sort of, um, was like, you know, on this day. And it wasn't like a sort of do or die sort of feeling. It was like, we really want to win this and let's have an amazing celebration time. But it wouldn't, at the time, it felt that if we had lost, it wouldn't be the end of the world, if that makes sense. No one's going to think back about it. So that sort of, in my opinion, created a sort of almost party atmosphere between the two fans, sets of fans, um, which was, you know, a really unique experience, really, to be at the ground. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. Um, I had a friend go there from Sunderland and he got a coach and he said, yeah, we, we all make our banter, we all make our jokes. He said, but I bumped into loads of Portsmouth fans, we had a laugh. You know, he said to me, obviously, if I was there, he would have come hung out. It, I mean... 
I, I wish I was there. I really do. Um, but, you know, I, I was actually just going to ask you that, what it was like as being actually there. Um, I mean, you've been to quite a few matches. I mean, did it have the Pompey... Sorry, you're the interviewer, but... <laughs> no, no, you ask as many the... questions as you want, mate. Just jump in, shout. Did it have the Pompey vibe still? I mean, you could hear it, of course, but obviously you're looking at a uh, 200% plus increase in fans in mass. Did it have that good Pompey vibe? Like, that? I've been in Fratton Park enough times and you've been enough times. That Pompey vibe, did, it, did you feel that? Yeah, yeah, and completely. I mean, outside the stadium, everywhere, people were just it was just singing and drinking together, and it was a, it was a real good laugh. And then when we got in the ground, you know, the atmosphere was pretty incredible, to be honest. Um, in the first half, obviously, we were talking this, but we we struggled really, and we sat really deep, and it was you know, the Pompey fans were still singing, but it was it it was, it was tense, I'd say. But mm. as soon as they started, as soon as we turned it around at half time again, it was. It was the same sort of atmosphere as you get, but enhanced. And also, we know when this roar came up, it was like wave after wave of attack. And you could just hear this sort of roar with the fans, you know? And then, like, in between songs, it was this just giant, giant roar of sort of 40,000-plus Pompey fans sort of cheering on their team. And it had this sort of really almost sort of surreal energy to it, you know, which is is really amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean... I think uh, recognition should go to the Eisner family as well for attending. Um, yeah, it's hardly down the road for them, is it? Um, no. I thought that was a fantastic gesture. Um, from what I've read on online, it's very positive. People are saying, "Oh, it's really great you're there," and everything else. And you know, regardless of what you think of the cup, you know, it's not their first time they've seen Portsmouth, but it's fantastic. I thought that they brought the whole family. You know, I've seen the pictures and. Um, yeah, I just thought that was really good gesture, you know, like you get you get so many owners that would uh, just like, ah, don't bother turning up, it's just a whatever cup. Yeah. And I, I, I do, I'm a huge fan of them all, and I think they are very interactive. Um, I, I often watch um, with Mr. Catlin as well, his interviews and his questionnaires, and he does uh, very often sort of say, yeah, you know, I'll pass this question on to the Eisner family or whatever, and I think that's really good. Um, I mean, have you met any of the Eisner family personally? Or? No, I haven't. I haven't actually personally. Do you know what? I would love to get one of them on the podcast, so we'll just keep messaging them, and maybe we'll manage to get one of them on. Yeah, I think I think this would be worth a, sh- worth a shot. I mean, I know Barry, who's on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he's yeah. run. He, yeah, he's to run the Pompey podcast, and he had um, Eric Eisner on. So, I've been asking a couple of tips, and we'll try and try and get in touch. Yeah, that would be. Uh, I think that'd be really good. Um, at the end of the day, they like I said, they are very interactive with the fans, which is really good. Um, but you know, I got to admit, on a lighter note, speaking of owners, I don't know if you saw that with the um, young Mister Curtis parading the trophy in front of the Sunderland owner. <laughs> I didn't see that. You what did he do? Yeah. He's got, basically, he's got his flag draped on him. He picked up the trophy and was shaking it, like lifting it up, like, yeah, but right in front of the Sunderland owner. Literally right in front of him. I saw a video that the new, some Newcastle fans made online um, 
and they've just sort of like absolutely taken the piss. They've sort of zoomed in to the yeah. Sunderland owners' faces in the that background. Is, the is that the one? Yeah, yeah. 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 That is oh, the one. Mate, I thought that was amusing. I mean, I think if it was definitely the other way around. If it was a, a Southampton that lot down the road thing, I think I would also find that pretty amusing as well. I was talking yeah. about about the scummers. Uh, Matt Letizia came out, didn't he? A bit salty. Oh. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Yes, I did. Yeah, I was just thinking, he's definitely got to have better things to do, isn't he? I mean, he hasn't actually got any trophies. I think someone pointed out that Ben Close has now won a trophy and, yes. and uh, Matt Letizia still hasn't got one. You know, the thing is, I mean, I get it, banter and whatever, but yeah. he's just making himself look foolish because, you know, you can go on, okay, penalty kick expert, yeah, blah, 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 blah. But why get involved, you know? I mean, to me, I wouldn't expect either for one of our old players in the in the reverse situation to do it. It's just, I don't know if he's too bored or or what. It's just... Um, he just hasn't got I a mean, sense of humour, I reckon. And he's just tried to just tried to join in. It doesn't doesn't really come across as, like, any, any substance behind it. It's just, like, a stupid dig saying, okay, you know what? Yeah, we did boycott. We did boycott to the end. Fair enough. And you know what? Uh, there's a few people I follow on Twitter that were absolutely over the moon to be able to take their young children to go see their team at Wembley, regardless of the guys, whether it's the EFL, FA Cup friendly, you know? And, yeah. and from what I've seen, uh, I've got quite a few followers and people I follow. Everyone was just happy. Just, just great to be there. You know, we've got Pompey Heather, as you know, Heather Wild mm-hmm. is one of them. Gemma Grat- Gratwick, pro- sorry if you listen to this, I pronounced your name wrong. She brought her daughter. Um, uh, Big Chiv uh, took his daughter to the um, the ladies' football, as always. The guys allege. And yeah. by the way, I don't know if you saw it, but the Pompey memes Titanic with Jamal Lowe's goal. Brilliant. I have seen it, and it is, is yeah. absolutely quality. And just a quick shout-out to Chiv whilst we're on the topic. Um, I noticed he's been put up for the, the Football uh, Bloggers Award. Um, I think he the FBA Football Bloggers Award. Yes. He's now done as the, I think it's the best women's football content creator. So yes. definitely get on there. Um, DM me on Twitter, anyone who doesn't know what it's about, and, and give Chiv your, um, your vote, because um, what he does there at Abbey is absolutely awesome. They're back with guy. People listening, you know what to do. A little bit of help, help a fellow Pompey fan out, especially yeah. one that spends so much time helping bring attention to the ladies' football. Which, for example, I do like the fact that the boys on Express FM, Liam House especially, does always give the shout out and lets people know where the ladies are playing and when next. You know, the, the two was it two teams, one club thing. I think it's brilliant movement. Yeah, that's fantastic, and isn't I hope it? it gets stronger and stronger. Yeah, no, and I'm sure it will do as the um, ladies obviously have bought be back on the island, and um, yeah, they'll just the, that was just continues to grow and grow. I think um, just quickly back to the game. I'm just going to run over yeah. the stats. So um, we had 18 shots to Sunderland's 10. Uh, mm-hmm. Five of those were on target. Four of theirs. Uh, possession figures. Apparently, we had 63% possession over the whole game. Yeah, it, it was something like that because yeah. they were. Yeah, they were they were very very dominant in possession in the first half. I think they even reached. Uh, this is not an ex- exact figure, but it was around the 
68, 70% mark at one point. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is we were, we were holding on to the ball a lot longer because you have to play different at Wembley. It's a bigger pitch, isn't it? Precisely. Yeah. You have it's to be a bit more patient. Pitch. Yeah. Let's the have ground's this. a lot harder. Yeah, yeah, precisely. But I was, do you know what I want to talk about the bigger pitch? I want to talk about um, Ollie Hawkins coming on uh, and him how he he changed the game as well because I think Bogle struggled to hold the ball up a bit and, and to get into the game. And I think that when we brought on Ollie Hawkins, it allowed us to retain possession further up the pitch, which um, brought our attacking wingers, the likes of Jamal Lowe, um, Gareth Evans, etc., really into the game. And I think that maybe without bringing Hawkins on, we would have struggled to actually to win the game at all, let alone his winning penalty. Um, do you have the same sort of thoughts about Ollie and how he played? I do, actually. Um, I frequently say that because the thing is, um, Bogle, um, he tends, because he's a lot quicker than Hawkins, mm-hmm. he does tend to drift. I don't know if you noticed uh, in the last yeah. couple of games, but he does tend to drift to the right a bit more because he has got the pace to get back to the middle. But um, whereas Hawkins, the thing is with Hawkins, and I saw it, I'm sure anyone that watched the game on television maybe would have seen that they do try the little cheap tricks with Hawkins. You know, he's always getting pulled and pushed, especially yeah. at set pieces. Um, but the thing is, Hawkins' hold-up play is emphatic. Is It's unquestionable. Okay, his goals per game ratio is not as high. Um, I believe Brett Pittman's is pretty much on top, apart from Bogle, but he's not played as many games. Um, but Hawkins has a different dynamic. Now, people did say that they'd sussed out Hawkins with the long ball tactic. Yeah. Um, I can kind of, I can actually say, yeah, that does make sense. But the thing is, I don't know if you noticed where Hawkins has become on as a substitute instead of starting, the teams get thrown off by it. Yeah, because they're not set up for him, are they? They're not, they, no, they're, they're used to, they used, yeah. Pittman. Yeah, and uh, do you know what? I, I was unsure whether the Hawkins Pittman combination would be um, so successful. But when you look at how Pittman's playing now in number 10, and he had a lot of space, didn't he? Um, mm, especially on a Wembley absolutely. pitch. He was able to drop off, pick the ball up, and Ollie allowed him really to find that, that gap in behind him by holding the ball up. Mm-hmm. And I think also Brett Pittman was so unlucky, wasn't he, to score and not to score even when he hit the post oh, and it was cannon back post. out. Yeah, absolutely. And that absolutely. Just, like, yeah. That was two inches to the side. It's in. Yeah, and that that really for me was sort of like, okay, okay, we can do this now. You know, we had these waves of pressure, the crowd was roaring, Sunderland fans were absolutely silent at this point, and I completely understand why, you know, they were just under the cosh, wasn't it? Wave after wave. Now we'll, we'll talk about Sunderland a bit more in part two, but we'll we'll round up part one for now, and then we'll fly into part two and we'll come back, we'll do the debate, and we'll do some transfer talk. One question. Yeah, yeah, that go for everyone it. Everyone wants to know. Uh, yeah. Last thing about the Wembley. Yeah. Did you get your cheesy chips? No. Oh. I didn't. Oh, no. Do you want to know why? Down on. Do you know why? Yeah. I ate, a, um, I ate like a pasty on the way up there. Yeah. Like a, I ate like a vegetable pasty. And if I'm honest, it didn't sit too well with all the beer I was drinking. Oh. So. <laughs> So basically, I decided not to eat anymore, but just to drink more beer. <laughs> God. 
which went down <laughs> fine, which went down all right. And um, my boss actually texted me after after the end of the game and said, you know, congratulations. And he's a Barnsley fan, those who don't notice uh, or listen. Uh, and he um, and he said basically, go out and enjoy yourself. I expect to see you suitably hungover tomorrow. So I was like, <laughs> I, or, I stuff so, like that. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right then, let's go for it. Um, and had some fun. So yeah, I was like, I can't eat any chips, but I'll make up for it at Wickham, which we're going to preview later. And I'll report back on how good the Wickham cheesy chips are. I expect to hear that from you. <laughs> That's it. We will do. All right, cheers, dude. Well, I'm going to press yeah, the stop, okay, stop record button so it's easy for me to edit. And, uh, and then we'll roll back into part two. Awesome. Welcome back to part two of the PO forecast. And Greg, it is time to do wherever the hell Matt is, Matt's debate. And today that's we'll debate. That's it. Well, I was trying to think of one of the rhymes of Greg, but I should have prepped it really. So unless you can think of one off the top of your head. For once, I'm actually you can't. <laughs> All right. Can't we could do. Why don't we do what Greg said? Okay. Let's go that's with what it. What Greg said. All right. <laughs> That's right, Poppy Twans. It's time for That's What Greg Said. And today we'll be talking about Sunderland and whether the Checker Trade Trophy win against Sunderland means we can take that form into the league, beat them at the Stadium of Light and auto- and claim automatic promotion. Now, Greg, this conversation is all about form. I know that you're big into your form and stuff and stats and and your positivity generally. Do you think we can do it? Looking at the statistics from the start of the year, I think we can. Um, okay, so I'm just going to quickly run over the stats. In January, we picked up a, let's be honest, for our form, especially poultry three points, one win and three losses. These are all league facts, by the way. No yep. cups included. Mm-hmm. February, um, five draws, five points. Yep. Undefeated. Yeah. But hey. Five points. <laughs> Maybe become critical. And last month, 12 points out of 15. So we've gone 3 points, 5 points, 12 points over the three months. And, when you and the only loss was to Charlton, I believe, in March. I believe that was the 2-1 against Charlton. That's right. Charlton away, wasn't it? And that was a difficult <laughs> game, to be honest. Um, yeah. Although, to be, I mean, people would say that we were, we were bad against Charlton at home, but I actually thought that that game wasn't that bad. I was there... And I thought that, yes, we struggled in the first half, but one of their goals, the ball went out for like five seconds. Oh, and God. I believe we have two legitimate penalty shouts that weren't given. Two for 100%. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Two were Stonewall from what I've established. Yeah, so if you did that as a home and away playoff situation, it, it would be quite tight, really. Cause, and, and Jamal Lowe actually had a chance to win, to win the game against Charlton away. Well, no, to draw the game, sorry, to all. Um, even if it was a bit undeserved. But anyway, moving yeah. on from Charlton, what do you think then? What do you think, Greg? We've got, does the Checker Trade Trophy have an effect on the league? And can we continue this run? Well, the worst case the Checker Trade Trophy would do is nothing. We won it. So, I, but I honestly believe that that's got to be a boost, even if it just boosts two of the players. Um, you can't go after winning in front of 81,000 plus people and not be buzzing from it. You know, no, I mean, yeah. even Kenny Jacket was laughing and smiling. Come on. <laughs> that's it. He even looked like he had that passion that maybe people criticised him for not having at Norwich. 
even though he was just I'm, yeah. I'm gonna touch on that quickly Go for um it. It's very difficult because I feel for Kenny Jacket because I just feel he is a different type of manager. Um, and coming in after someone as loud as Cook, it's a very, um, it's a very contrasting uh, behavior. Yeah, um, no, sure. I think he's very passionate. I just think he has a different way of showing it. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone can make a little joke. He's, he's not the most cheerful and uh, sometimes he smiles at the wrong time, like when he's talking about when we lose. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, he's got the best record for this club, um, manager-wise, since 1904, with a win percentage. What That's does that tell you? Just shy of 51%, even with this pretty average form from the start of the year, 20 points out of 42 just to be clear, which still isn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, just... Um, and you've got to bear in mind as well that a hell of a lot of his losses came last season. Yeah, and we obviously lost we Danny... Lost that many this season. No, it's true. And when we have been playing bad, we still were picking up a point. Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the Charlton thing, yeah, of course, that was terrible, but we can't change that. There's been a couple of games we've won where we shouldn't have done, perhaps. But at the end of the day, the old cliche, form doesn't win you football, possession doesn't win you the match, goals win you the match. Yeah. But, and... wait, go on. Sorry. No, I was, oh, no, you carry on, mate. I was just going to say, I, I don't know. Lee Brown has really come into form, and my God, he was standout on Sunday. I meant to mention it earlier. He, he's got that energy because he, he's not been at his best since his injury. Um, he's been getting unfairly, in my eyes, criticised quite unfairly for this. But he yeah. was really, in really, really good form. Like He was absolutely terrorising the wings and the flanks. No, I, I agree. You know, everyone knows who listens to the podcast. I'm a massive fan of Lee Brown. And I think 40 that... 40-yard scream Yeah, what's that? 40-yard scream is coming. It, oh, it is coming. It is definitely coming. Um, obviously, I still got that bet paid out by Skybet. So, cheers, Skybet. Uh, yeah. But, um, oh, no. Yeah. yeah, but I think Lee Brown, as we said, I think Kenny Jackett sometimes has been a little bit guilty of asking the fullbacks not to play the ball out and not to play it into midfield um, and to and to play the long ball, um, which I know is a safe a safe ball, but can frustrate the fans when we're giving possession back to the other team. So I do feel sometimes the left back and the right back, especially when Walks plays, um, get a bit of unfair criticism from the fan base based on tactical decisions. At the end of the day. Um, you do what your boss tells you but at the end of the day um, I, I, I know there was a lot of debate I believe you guys done it as well about formation change mm-hmm. um, I don't think the formation needs, needed changing I think the long ball needed changing um, because at the end of the day the four-two-three-one. if you've got Lee Brown and normally Nathan Thompson or Mr Walks um, playing behind Lowe and Curtis and they can run further forward then I, that's the thing. I've always felt long ball was cutting out the damage that Jamal Lowe and Curtis can cause. It's almost like they would be missed out sometimes because the long ball straight to the middle, up the top, you've got the guys on the wings. It's not the most practical 
um, method, in my opinion. Of course, don't get me wrong, Jacket knows what he's doing, of course, but I just always found, like, for example, we were playing a lot, um, a lot more shorter passes on Sunday. No, I agree. And I think there's a couple of players in the centre midfield who um, really help with that as well. And the emergence of, of Ben Close is what I like to call a box-to-box midfielder, I suppose you could say. Um, picking the ball up deeper, tracking back, winning the ball, and then laying it along the ground. It's, it's not very often you see Ben Close play a, a big bang-it-up ball. He, he generally keeps the ball, I'd say, um, along the ground and plays a really smart first pass, which is allowing us to retain possession. Um, and his positioning has been absolutely superb recently as well. And that, that really allows us to, to make space and create space for the wingers. And w- when he's got the ball as well at his feet, it allows the, the fullbacks to, to really get forward and, and the whole team to move forward as well. And now with Brett Pittman playing in that slightly advanced role, looking for spaces as well, that, that's really what was the engine, those guys together in the middle of, of the team, I'd say, for the win. Can't you know? This, I can't dispute that. I mean, it's the thing. It's like I, I'm obviously just trying to picture what I'm saying. So the ball starts off with Lee Brown. Um, he passes it to, for example, to Matt Clark. Yeah. Matt Clark passes it to Close or Naylor. They pass it back to the fullback, and the fullback's halfway out the pitch already. Yeah. He's got that time with the short passes, as you said. Um, Naylor's passing has improved. Um, I don't think he's the best at long passes. Personally, no. Um, I think it's also well, short and sharp passes, and that's what I like about having close and Naylor together because they're both capable of pushing forward. So you can effectively switch to four-one-four-one, and as you said, close could play, for example, the box-to-box, effectively mm-hmm. defending and also backing behind Pittman, and then you've got a straight line of attack which can revert back to the four-two-three-one traditional holding midfield. Uh, formation that Kenny prefers up there prefers yeah no I completely agree and I think that this would be something that will help us in in our running and hopefully allow us to kill teams off which is something we've been struggling with when we were on that barren mm. run so just to go back on yep. track quickly let's go through the games we won't talk about Wickham's we're going to talk about that anyway on in part three but mm-hmm. if we look at the teams we're lining up later on again so you've got Rochdale at home mm-hmm what would you reckon for that game? I think the business of you, um, I don't want people to think I've got rose-tinted glasses here or blue-tinted as it were. Yeah. But um, I, I think this, uh, uh, this Wembley win uh, is going to help the performances at home because we have actually, last time I checked, um, to be fair, it was before today's match with Sunderland, I think we actually have the best away form in the league. That's right. Now we have four of the seven games, over half the games at home. Yep. Now, based on current form, traditionally you might would say you might well say, "Well, I'd rather we had more away games." But I've just got I've, I don't know. I've got a good feeling that this you know, seeing literally what what's what's the attendance at Fratton at the moment? It's about nineteen thousand, isn't it? Because of the um, repairs and things like things yeah. getting done. As well as the away support and how many they bring and separation, etc. Yeah, exactly. So you're looking at literally a double and 250% increase of fans cheering their names on Wembley. And you could see in the, in how happy they were. And I think they can bring that and make everyone at Fratton Park smile. 
I think I, we can get 10 points. No, I uh, agree. I think what, that... Oh, I don't see why not. They're poor, aren't they? They really can't defend. They let in so many goals, home and away even. Um, I mean, I think they'll be lucky, to be honest. To just well, where, where are they? I think they're right near the bottom, aren't they? Uh, well, it's Second. hard to say because it's like 12, 12 is like five points off relegation. Yeah, <laughs> that's why to check that they're second from bottom. I'm just looking now. So, yeah, they're got, second from bottom, yeah. but they're one win away from um, 16th, 17th. Yeah. Wow, that's tight, isn't it? That is tight. Their form actually isn't that bad, but I think I think we should um, be able to to beat Rochdale. And moving on, do you think Burton away? That's a tough game, isn't it? They've been on good form again. Burton is going to be a tough game. Um, although they are chasing for the playoffs, they're, they're currently ten points behind Doncaster, albeit with a game in hand. But I don't know. Burton's always one. I don't know why. That one says to me might be difficult. I mean, Burton in theory um, could be nearly mathematically out of it if they lost their next couple of games. Yeah, absolutely. which would, which would actually really help us if that's the case. Um, obviously, I think we're capable of beating them, but they came to Fratton Park, didn't they, and um, did a bit of a revival at the start of the season and got that draw. I think it was was it three three or two two. I believe so. Yeah, I couldn't test my head, but I'm yeah. pretty sure it was. And then we've got the return of Connor Chaplin to Fratton Park. If I, he's don't, fit. I don't, I don't um, fear Coventry. I'm sorry, but I don't see us not winning that. They got a good Double result against player. Sunderland. Uh, Barnsley, yeah. sorry, as well. Yeah, they've done us a favour. But then there's no point in us doing the favour if we can't take advantage of it. No, I <laughs> you agree. Know, and, uh, with their stability problem at the moment, yeah, with their clubs, to, um, I'm not entirely sure they're going to be focused as they should be, which is a terrible shame. Um, and I wish them all the best for the other five games, but yeah, um, <clears throat> I know well, so this, so this, uh, statistically, um, Coventry actually have one of the teams that create some of the most opportunities, I think, after Barnsley by expected goals in the league, um. They're statistically a really good team, one of the top actually out of all the four divisions, but they don't seem to have a way of converting these high danger chances really that they create so often or really sort of having that final product, which for me means that they're going to end up outside of the playoffs and sort of, you know, upper mid table. And I think that's well, the kind I of mean, team that at home we should beat. I mean, they, 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 um, <clears throat> they can afford to lose to us and still catch up. They're only six points behind Doncaster. Um, both um, got six games to play. But, I mean, this is the thing. Because it's so tight, it, almost every game we're going to be fighting is either going to be for a playoffs push, automatic push with Sunderland, or a relegation fight. This is what makes it a little harder to predict because there's no team that is actually relegated. No, it's true. Completely. Bradford um, are only six points. And, okay, seven because of the goal difference. Let's be realistic here. They're only seven points out. It's not unfathomable what was the position when um and the author took us over five wins two draws when yeah. we were almost doomed to non-league you know never never say never um but coventry i don't know i, I think we can beat them 
Uh, we beat them last time. Couldn't tell you the score off the top of my head, but uh, we did beat them. I remember that. Yeah, one second. Coventry. I'm just scrolling quickly. <laughs> da, da. One now at Coventry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to a, a uh, Ronan Curtis goal just before half time. Of course. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so we got that, and then obviously we're near. We're near sort of the running. We got Sunderland away. Now, do you think that this will have a give us a mental edge over Sunderland? Um, I, I do, but I'm a bit nervous because. Um, Last season, we beat Cholton in the first game. We beat them in the checker trade, ironically. And then we lost to them, which effectively, I know obviously there was 45 other matches, but that result cost us the playoffs because we finished them five points behind them. We would have won that. They would have been three points less. We would have been three points more. We'd have been yeah. one point ahead of them. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I know from what I've established, Sunderland are unbeaten at home. Yeah, indeed. But, but what does that mean? Nothing really. And let's be honest, they have lost. They sorry, they could have lost a lot of games. And um, they've come back very late in games, a bit like they did against us in the Checker Trade Trophy. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's sustainable. I expect them to 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 lose or and draw a couple of games um, coming in the running, or at least draw a couple of these games they've got because I don't think playing like that from behind is a sustainable way to, to win all season absolutely not and it is worth mentioning I haven't got the point for point stats behind this but the last time Sunderland lost in the league was to us right yeah and that was December and the, and they haven't lost until they lost to us on Sunday yet they're only two points ahead of us yeah, and we were on that absolutely abysmal run as well. 16, 16 draws they've had. And we've had 11 and five of those were in, in February. No, completely. And Sunderland are, have been quite fortunate as well to get some of those draws. and They could have easily, quite easily been losses. I think also it's, it's worth saying, I love this name. I can't remember who it was last week that called it, one of the listeners, but tweeted him, but called him the Hawkman. But yeah, I, that. I can't remember either. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Hawkins, he absolutely um, tore them apart as well at Fratton Park. You know, he got that red card, got the player sent off. He turned them, and you know, I think they really struggle with him, don't they? And I, I expect him to play and them to struggle again with him at the Stadium yeah. of Life. And um, yeah, I think the thing is, I don't think for a single second. I know don't change your winning formula, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that if. Jacket looks at it and says, you know what? Boggle's not going to work like this. He'll drop him and put Hawkins in. Maybe no. he won't. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, as the old cliche goes, cup finals are coming up now. All of them. Since Sunday, they've all been cup finals. Um, yeah, looking at their results, yeah, they're not really that... Im- they're winning. Don't yeah. get me wrong, not winning them. But 2-1 against Walsall at home? Mm. Drawing with Barnsley, probably the best result all round for us. Yeah. Drawing with Wickham. Yeah. You know, cool. That, cool. This is a team. And the 94th minute winner, uh, equaliser. Yeah, I know. But just think about one of those goals not going in for once. We would have really been sailing on them. But that's just football, isn't it? As Kenny Jacker yeah, would say. It is. 
yeah, we can't change that, unfortunately. But like I said, I know it's not in our hands, but they don't have to make one mistake. If we keep winning, we only need them to lose one match, and then it's completely in our control. Yeah, precisely. Um, and it's all games to play with Barnsley absolutely stumbling with Kaifer more injured, the um, their striker. Um, they've, yeah, they've got, yeah. They're, yeah, one of the defenders got um, one of the players broke his leg the other day, didn't he? One of the centre backs is out mm-hmm. injured, so they're really struggling. And again, you know, according to Barnsley fans, I haven't really got an answer for their scoring drought. So we'll see. We'll see if we can put some pressure on them as well. We've got Peterborough at home after that. Is that a game? I think that's pretty winnable. I think we match up very well against Peterborough. I'm not worried about them, even though they will be chasing the and them that twice as well season. Yep. Yeah, again, I think we match yeah, up pretty well. And, as well. And then last game of the season, we've got Stanley at home and they are struggling at the moment. And yeah, they I think... got bad 3-0 today by Sunderland, so... Yeah, I think, again, that's pretty winnable. So it's more about other teams slipping up and if we can continue that form, I think we'll be in a good shout to, to put pressure on the top two teams and, you know, maybe push on for automatics. We'll see. Can Only time will tell. Maximum points, I'm not 100% sure. I think we can. But I don't see there's any team I look at and say, we're going to lose this. There's only one team, obviously, we're playing above us, which might not be above us at the time, is Sunderland. Yeah. Um, but don't forget, all these teams that are fighting for relegation, fight for playoffs, don't forget, we are fighting to get out of this league straight away. You yeah, know? for sure. I think you guys sink it, it sinks in with them. That, you know, especially when we, were, we, got, we want to keep hold of Clark. We want to keep hold of Curtis, amongst others. And, yeah, I didn't get drawn into the whole Clark speculation uh, last season that we signed him for a contract to get more money, and I was glad to be proved right about that. Yeah, um, Clark is a very young, ambitious young man, but the key word is young. Um, and don't forget, if even if we go on a terrible run now, it's going to take a miracle not to make the playoffs. Then yeah, we'll go for that. Yeah. I think we've pretty much sewed that up, haven't we? I think that... Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's an amazing segue. Obviously, I love that from a podcasting point of view because we, what we could do is fly into the transfer talk. And friend of the show, Simon Collins, who is the uh, sports editor uh, at the Derry Journal. I know the news is now run with this, but we're, we were actually running with it first. And Simon Collins actually tagged us in the his post for... From, from the article he wrote for the Derry Journal that says that Ronan Curtis is attracting interest from championship clubs, Scottish Premier League clubs, uh, according to a coach, Leroy McCourt, who used to coach him. Um, I know that he also scouts for a lot, according to Simon, he spoke to me, he, he actually scouts for a lot of English um, championship and a couple of Premier League teams as well. Yeah. So um, I believe that he may be from my perspective, touting or putting it out there a little bit um, in order to maybe drum up some interest. I'm sure there'll be some interest there with agents, etc. Um, and what are your thoughts on this? Just just to add a little bit of uh, stoke to the fire, because I, I was tagged in the post by uh, Simon. Um, <laughs> Ronan, Ronan Curtis liked the post as well. Hmm. Well, here's a bit of a wind-up merchant old Ronan and yep. I believe that he was linked before in January and he effectively said where the hell did this come from I'm a Portsmouth player if I recall that's correct um yeah I mean I look it's what is this April now it's it's time it's time for people to start looking um the thing is social media and obviously so many more news reports 
it's so easy to put substance out but well something sorry something with no substance i could just say i could tweet tomorrow as an agent per se pretend agent and say oh um jamal lowe's been linked with huddersfield to help them get back into the premier league and people would people would buy it yeah it's true um yeah, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong, of course, I'm not saying there is no substance to this sauce, but um, I'm taking it with a pinch of salt because at the end of the day, as he said himself, he's been in England with us for, what, eight months, ten months? Yeah. He said he's never been to Wembley before and he's won a trophy on his Wembley debut. I think I think he still, it seems, seems to me like he's the sort of person that will stick with us um, unless it's ridiculous money, of course, if it gets out of his hands. But I don't see what he's got to gain by leaving, if I'm no. honest. I mean, I think it's one of those things. I mean, Simon Collins have also mentioned to me that one of the clubs interested is uh, in the championship, well engraved in the in the playoff race up up there. So the problem is, is with the pull of the sort of money that sort of these championship teams and possibly even Premier League teams could attract or could pay even... Um, the likes of Curtis. If I, I do feel that if he's if we're not promoted, maybe Curtis, uh, Low, uh, and Clarkey maybe snapped up. Is that? Do you feel the same, mate? Um, okay, with Clark, I would say that's probably the 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 highest probability because he's been with us, I believe, the longest. Um, Jamal Lowe, he's obviously been a bit less with us. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't like, I see sort of segments of interviews with them. Um, but I don't know. It doesn't seem to me, they, they all seem to bleed blue, if I'm honest with you, as cliche as it sounds. Um, and I, I think, you know, I mean, let's be honest, Jamal Lowe's been catapulted with us from yeah. what is his teacher, wasn't he? Yeah, school teacher, PE teacher, PE teacher, non-league football to Wembley in front of eighty-one thousand people. I mean, he must be starstruck. I I would think he would be starstruck by it. Um, But I I believe again, I don't look at any of them and think, oh, they don't want to play. You know, you get players that throw the toys at the pram and start performing badly because they want to leave. Um, I mean, this is always an open-ended question because money, pretty much, yeah, you can always go, well, if the money's right. Um, also, there is the chance that if, Curtis, if there's substance to Curtis going to a potentially Premier League team, that's a jump two divisions. Yeah, it's a massive jump, isn't it? Maybe in the mind, back of his mind, that he could be bench-warming, like Jed Wallace did when he left us. Jed yeah. Wallace started, yeah. if you recall, bench warming and on loan. Yeah, it's a situation, isn't it? You want to get a, you want to get a balance. And I think that someone like Clark, for instance, is actually a bit more of an established player, isn't he, playing in, in League One? And I did feel like if he was to make the step up to a championship team, we'd probably find it easier actually to find a regular place at centre back rather than um yeah. uh, an attacking winger like Curtis, who you know, a bit more specialist position, isn't it? Yeah, and you sort of come in and out of form a bit more, don't you, as a winger? Whilst Clark is Mr. Consistent, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, I believe he's tied until officially until the end of next season. 
Matt Clark, I believe. Yeah, he is, yeah. 2020. So now then it comes to the old, does he, do we sell him for money? Do we keep him? Um, yeah, I, I think, I think Clark would be the one if out of the three. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to judge because there is the whole money thing, but there's also the fact, hey, we're talking about this now. We could be laughing about this in five games' time and saying, well, he's coming with us. <laughs> that, that, with us that, that's ideal. And I think he's actually said that on Express FM that he wants to get promoted with the club. That, you know, when there was yeah. all that speculation about in January, you know, would he go or would we lose him? Um, and Clark, he's quite come out and said, you know, he wants to get Portsmouth promoted and play with Portsmouth in the Championship. However, with one year left on his contract, I think the club will look to, to possibly cash in on him if we don't get promoted because otherwise he's leaving in a year's time, probably on a free transfer. Um, and, we, and we don't we risk we run that risk anyway. And it's a business strategic decision, then, isn't it? Not to, to risk losing, say, five million on a, on a defender who, who can walk away. Of course, but it has to be sat down and calculated of whether the risk outweighs the reward of, okay, if we decide, say, one more try. Now, bear in mind, playoffs in our first season, uh, almost making the playoffs in our first season in League One for after a four-year absence was pretty good. Uh, and it could have been, obviously, we could have gone up then. But yeah. I, I think, as well, Clark being one of our longer-serving players, he's the ambition. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, oh, we make it see. You know? He was like, he, you know, and you can see, I mean, he played with Watmal and Burgess together, and mm-hmm. he never looks uncomfortable. Like, it, it can be difficult when you've got such a centre pairing, yeah, that they're so used to playing next to each other that when someone else comes in, whichever way around it happened, it can be difficult. I've been. Mean, I've got to say that maybe it's more the level that Clark actually elevates the play of other defenders next to him. I think they feel so comfortable playing with Matt Clark that that sort of elevates their play as well, really, and yeah. they really up their game. And you can see that with Christian Burgess, who's come back into the side. He's got, you know, he's been playing with Matt Clark. He's got, he's got his form up. And no discredit to Christian Burgess, obviously, I think he's a good, great footballer. But I think playing along Matt Clark, alongside Matt Clark, sorry, just gives you that extra bit of comfort and that extra bit of. Um, yeah, it just improves your game all round. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Matt Clark as well, is he's got a lot more attacking recently, hasn't he? He's been running down that flank a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people were saying to me, it's was Clarky nice playing as a left winger at the end of that game? Yeah. Um, and I think it's been, I think, in my opinion, it's helped Burgess because he kind of leaves Burgess on his own a little bit. And then it's like, you know, it's like, okay, I've got this, you know, he's got to stay back a little bit. Um, and I think that maybe helps as well for confidence for Virgie that, you know, he's got someone he can rely on. And I think he knows that Matt Clark knows what he's doing, that he can even make something of it or come back. And Burgess is, for me, is growing every game. Um, I can't think of a poor performance. What, to be fair, I've never seen him have a poor performance. I don't, regardless of mistake or not, I don't see a mistake as a poor performance. Um and I think he was very, all well, the pair of them in League Two, you know, were something special. And I still think they are now. Um, I don't think our goals conceded is bad at all. No, not um, at all. I think you were talking, you also, you were saying about um, Clark and how he has that sort of bond to the club. And 
I put this question out there on on Twitter, and uh, Pompey Tom came back, and um, his uh, tag is at Clarky, and I'll go six. 06101992, which guess is his birthday. Yeah. yeah. And he said it's a tough call because I feel that all the players have a real bond with the club and the fans. Personally, I think Lowe and Clark would stay, but maybe Curtis will have his head turned. Very valid point. Very valid point. I actually 100% agree there, Tom. Um, yeah. But that's not to say, obviously, that Curtis is going to have that mercenary behaviour. But I think as well, what we've got to remember with Matt Clark's age is he's been growing with the club. He was a teenager when he came to us. Yeah, for sure. You know? and don't forget. And, you know, and like we said, Cook and Jackie between them have helped Lowe's career go sky high. Um, and Curtis is something very special. And... I think if we go <coughs> up, then, then not one of them are going to go. No, um, I agree. Can't see it happening. Uh, that would just be stupid. Here's a trophy. You're up. See you later. No, Doesn't I agree. Happen. Let's just hope. Let's just hope that that that's what that's the case, and uh, we keep hold of them all. And uh, Chris Gerrard said several players will go if that's if we don't get promoted, but hopefully for serious money, so we have a chance of replacing them and rebuilding the squad which is obviously an important point. So we won't sell on the cheap. And another uh, interesting one says, missed it, the white chocolate biscuit said, Nathan Thompson, because she's championship level. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a faux pas by Mr. Thompson there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not entirely sure how that was, how that was meant, whether it's taken out of context, whether he genuinely meant it. Um, it's hard to tell with him because he's very soft-spoken. So you can't always tell if he's like, I don't know if you've heard him talk, but he's got a very, yeah. very soft voice. Um, I, th- I don't know. I mean, he's been getting a lot of stick online because of it. I know that because as soon as he makes a mistake, you know what they can be like on Twitter, they're on his back. Um, yeah. No, I completely agree. I can see why to an extent, if you want to do it, freedom of expression, but I don't see the point of it. Um <sighs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't want Thompson to leave, personally. Yeah. But I think he is playing um, Russian roulette with his career. My goodness. Not signing a contract or whatever, personally. I mean, Evans signed. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's April. You know, what if Jacket decides, well, we've got this championship. We've got someone else. <laughs> No, and it's true. And also, I've noted that carrying with our transfer talk, uh, the news pointed out that uh, Pompey are interested in Cardiff defender Ryan Per Price. I know he's a fullback. He's twenty years old. Um, yeah, he's been around Hull, etc. Hull are interested. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, this is according to HIT Sport, which is mm-hmm. I'll be honest, HITC Sport isn't the most reliable source in in uh, transfer news, but. An attacking fullback is twenty years old. Pompey, you know, registered their interest supposedly. Do you think that could be one of those things that they're preparing for Nathan Thompson to leave? I or? assume that would be right fullback then, uh, right back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, regardless of whether there's substance to Thompson going or not, you've got walks, of course. Yeah. But I think it's always prepared to. Um, it's better to prepare to have um, options. 
Um, and obviously, we do have the um, the good the comfort knowing that Walks can also play in central defensive midfield. So yeah, well, she, she did to get that. a full back, keep Thompson and keep Walks. Oh, for sure. And I think you need at least two people. Yeah, precisely. Hashtag that up. No, I thought I thought Walks played well when he came on in Hollywood Field in the Chicken Tree Trophy as well, um, Mm. which was needed when Ben Close picked up that injury, which apparently he just hobbled off. It was more of a fatigue thing, and he's actually okay. So no one needs to to worry themselves about Close. He clarified that. Um, I saw an article. I think it was from Neil Allen or the News. That basically said, or it might be Mark McMahon, I can't remember off the top of my head, basically said, mm-hmm. hey, look, basically, I'm fine. I just, you know, just needed to, you know, just stop. You know, that's the benefit of having four substitutions, which I, I didn't, I did forget to mention that. It's interesting that you get four substitutions if it goes to extra time, and Jack yeah. is still used. For- <laughs> that's just Swap Kenny Jacket, isn't it? That's just Kenny Jacket. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to change his way because he's gone to extra time. Um, no, do you know what I think we should do this well, we're going to do something that's completely different Greg to, to the usual way of structuring the podcast yeah and we're mm-hmm. just going to let's just go into part three now and preview Wickham without a break let's just do it okay I'm yeah? just going to say one more quick thing on this yep let's go I heard a rumour today Jacket QPR have you heard anything no 12 to 1 yeah now my I don't, gone. No, don't I think don't, it's absolutely false Absolute rubbish. He's just just doing well. QPR, no, no. NAF club. If I do hear anything though, it'll be out on the podcast, and you guys will be the first to know. He was twelve to one, and Michael Appleton, Appleton, interesting enough, is sixteen to one. Well, I mean, I think they're just looking at decent managers around the top. Who they think? Why would he go to QPR? I mean, I don't. Know, I was there away this I season. Don't think it for a second. No, I mean, they are. I was there. At, um, no, it's a good, good question. I was there at QPR for the cup final. Their fans are dreadful. They are dreadful. They they, they didn't make one, any noise or like no, nothing though. When I say no, any noise, I mean they didn't clap their hands or anything until the forty fourth minute. Um, it was absolutely the atmosphere was so dead and yeah. I think I think they. I really don't like QPR. I think they're I a, a piss poor club. I went to see QPR uh, Fratton, uh, Fratton Park against QPR. I think it was 2010 when we was in the championship. And the only noise they made when, when was that ex-striker Tommy Smith, if you remember him. Yeah, yeah. A Scottish lad scored a penalty against us after Dave Kitson gave away a handball with a red mark on his chest the size of a ball. Dave Kitson. Um, yeah. I remember, still remember that chance, which is probably not a PC now, but the uh, if Kitson played for Pompey, so can I... <laughs> so I always thought it was funny. Anyway, so anyway, back onto it. So we're going to go into part three. So part three, Wickham. Here we go. I'll just read out a couple of stats. So first of all, though, before we do the stats, actually, mate, I'll be attending the Wickham away game, and guess what? I'm going corporate. Corporate. Oh, I say. That's it, mate. Fancy pants over here. Um, I'm basically. Corporate. That's it. I've I've already put my um I've already put the request in. I'm not even joking, mate. Um yeah. So basically, I'm getting taken out from someone from work. So free ticket. I was like, yeah, all right. So I will try and cause some carnage in the Wickham area and see if I can get potentially booted out like Matt did when he came to Wickham away. 
Um, all right. <laughs> he, he didn't get completely kicked out. He just had a talking to by the anti-hooligan police at half-time. And not for actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. The ones, the special ones, are the you know the guys with the red hats on, the ones yeah, that are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came over and uh, dragged him out at half time and had them right go at him. It, it was quite funny, really. He didn't actually do anything wrong apart from stand behind the goal. And if you've been to Wickham away, there's a big path in front of the away stand. Yeah. Um, and basically, Matt stood against the fence, just shouting at the goalkeeper on his own for about ten minutes. As he tried to just tried to beck in and back into the stand, everyone was like, oh, "It was quite funny." Apparently, the chairman took personal offence to it, um, but yeah. Anyway, they let us, they let him stay in the ground, so it was all good, and he hasn't got anything on his record. But yeah, so wick him away. I'll see if I can outdo him from the corporate box. But yeah, if you please. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be telling some funny stories. Hopefully, I won't get a record. Wickham currently seventeenth in the league. Uh-huh. 44 points which as we said is two points off relegation obviously it's so uh-huh. tight it's so tight down the bottom isn't it um, but yeah that they're actually on absolutely woeful form which does make me think that they could be relegated uh, in the last five games they've got four losses and one draw and the last win they got was 11 games ago against the green army of uh, oh. Derek Adams Plymouth um, obviously they've got some pretty bad um the, the squads, are, I'd say they look. Well, I've seen a few games of they played recently in highlights, and they look pretty tetchy to be honest. Um, mm. They're playing really scrappy football. They've always played sort of direct football, quite physical football, but they've really crossed crossing the line now. Um, obviously, they had that. They were fined over that fight they had on the pitch with Sunderland, that brawl, yeah, um, yeah. which obviously made the headlines. The three um, red cards, I remember the other, yeah, the other yeah. week. Yeah, and Ainsworth's really tried to call for calm ahead of the Portsmouth game. So, expect it to get a little bit rowdy, to be honest. And I would say that it'd be nice to see Ronan Curtis maybe just restrain a little bit from that extra sort of level of getting jippy, because he, he will get chippy even. He will possibly get himself into a little bit of trouble Maybe he could say the other way around. He could bait someone into a red card, but we'll see how that goes. Obviously, up front, everyone knows who they're going to start with. They've got the big man himself, Akin Fenwa, the 18-whatever-stone uh-huh. massive man. Although, to be fair, the guy can shoot, so just don't give him space. Don't give him time. We should be all right. He's got six Would goals you... this season. huh? Of course he can shoot. He's got legs the size of your waist. <laughs> I mean, it yeah, he does. Half an hour to kick. <laughs> yeah, but Pompey seemed to give him space. I'll, I'll be honest. We seem to seem to like. Sometimes you seem to back off him and give him a little bit of room. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. He seems, he seems to get in the. I don't know. He's like a permanent fixture that moves around the pitch. Yeah. Anyway, he's got six goals, six assists, which leads the team. Uh, followed by, yep, yeah, followed by Joe Jacobson. Six goals, five assists, yeah? Do you know where he plays? Defence. Left back. Oh, my God. Okay. That's... So, that, that is... Yeah. They, to be fair, they spread the goals around the team. They've got other players on five and then five again. But it's pretty piss poor, isn't it, for a team to have their striker on six goals, six assists, and then your left back's your next one down with six goals. Yeah, so, I, I, I think that's pretty bad. I mean... 
they they tend to play a four three three formation. They can play four two two, but sorry four four two. But you look at the teams they play against recently. Um, they play four three three. Play four three three against Sunderland. Four three three against Barnsley. I expect them to play four three three against us. Four three three realistically for them is actually four five one. Yep. They will drop deep. Um, and they will just punt the ball up to Akin Fenwa and hope that he can hold on to it with enough time that they can get a few players forward. It's a pretty friendly place, Wickham. I don't expect to have any, you know, they're pretty, the team's pretty aggy at the moment, but I don't really expect um, any trouble there in that sense. So we just need to go there. If we can get the first goal, really get on the front foot, I believe we should be able to get, you know, tie this game up pretty well. Greg, what's your thoughts on this on this fixture? Agreed. I think um, I think that it's going to be a. I think they're going to try. I think they're going to hold, try and sustain us for about half an hour. I think it's going to take a little while to get going. Um, I just think we need a bit of time to feel them out a little bit, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, with with. Um, the style of play, the four five one, four three three, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, Akin Fenwar, big guy, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's not a street fight. If he's gonna, if someone's gonna go at me, push him over. You know, it's, it's, he's in trouble. Um, Curtis, I believe, and you probably can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't actually think he's had a red card for us. No, I don't think he's got a red card. Um, I can look that up. Which is why I think he can get up, get away with a bit of jib. Um, yeah, I think he's only been suspended for accumulated bookings. Let's look that up. I think you're right. Six and yellows, no reds. Yeah, which to be honest with you, for his, for for how much he baits players, six yellows is very low amount. I believe Thompson and Nader have got more. Oh, they do indeed, don't they? Naylor's just a brick wall. He's just solid. Um, mm. Yeah, um, I'm not... I, I assume that he will start the same team as a checker trade, but I don't know what Curtis is going to be like with his finger. Like, if it's still... You know, it's it's quite a... It's quite a tender area to do that. And I know, obviously, it's not your point to touch the ball with your hands, but, you know, you, it's. I think you've got to be careful with that. Um, but I would say he's going to go unchanged from Sunday. <laughs> Do you not think he starts Hawkins up front after the Checker J trophy? No, I'm not convinced he will. I don't know why. I just got this feeling that he's going to stick with the same team. Um, Do you remember what? The ch- was there any changes between our last league match before the Checker trade? Just no. I'm to no, it wasn't. It was no. no. It was. So I think it'll be unless it's enforced. But then I'm not sure. I think I think Gareth Evans would be a good starter as well. But the thing is, it's difficult because as we were saying before about Pittman playing more now, um, Gareth Evans seems to suffer a little bit of time for that because he's a set spe- set piece specialist and a penalty kick taker and the captain, vice captain. Mm-hmm. And now Pittman's back in. Uh, like I said to you before, it's a headache with Lowe and Curtis, and obviously there was the option to play Gareth Evans behind Bogle or Hawkins yeah. or whomever. Um, but the thing is, I do feel for Gareth Evans, but as he showed on Sunday, it doesn't bother him. He'll just get on and do his job. 
Well, you know, he, there'll be a time where he's playing exceptionally well, isn't it? And he'll basically come back in the team and someone like Pittman probably will end up dropping out of the team just as he's done coming into the team, you know, replacing Evans now. I mean, how many goals has Gareth got this season? He's got nine goals in um, in the league this season. Nine goals, five assists, as well as three goals in the uh, Checker Trade Trophy. So that's pretty damn good, isn't it? For someone as well who's Absolutely. not played all the games. I, I would say that, would you rather Evans starts this game over Curtis on the left? Um, no, I'm not necessarily saying that. Um, I think they, the thing is, Curtis and Evans bring different, completely different things. This yeah. is the same debate with Bogle and Hawkins. Um, it's very difficult because um, Lowe and Curtis together can absolutely tear up the wings. But Gareth Evans showed as well that Evans and Lowe can tear up the wings. But the thing is, with Evans coming in, at least Lowe can stick to his preferred side. When no, he was I. Curtis, he it wasn't it wasn't for him, you know. Understandably, yeah. You know yeah. he's not playing traditional on his side, and yeah, of course, you know. And most players that are wingers would struggle. I mean, yeah, okay, you got your Robinson Reberies, but still, um, I mean, Curtis and Gareth Evans have got similar stats. Um, yeah. 11 goals to 9, 8 to 5. So Curtis does statistically add more. With 19 goals contributed to 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, low as well with 19. Um, statistically, based on minutes played, um, Curtis is by far our most effective player on goals and assists out of the three. And you've got to say that when he came, when he scored that goal against Charlton, for instance, that header, he has that ability to score a goal from from nothing. Obviously, the other two do yeah. as well, but that maybe is where sort of that clutch performance. May I would like to see though, if if Curtis isn't isn't playing well when he's on, I would like to see Jacket make a fairly, you know, a sixty minute at latest change and maybe bring on Gareth Evans because Wicker might be a bit hard to break down. If That's we don't I mean. do it quickly, I think Gareth's work rate and his you know ability to be a bit more direct and not necessarily um, get frustrated on the ball might be something that you know, helps us get that goal and get us over the line. Agreed. I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't know if you noticed, but Evans takes a bit more time with shots. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, and again, I mean, no disrespect, sometimes he shoots and you're just like, why? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, why actually did you shoot then? Whereas, I don't know, Gareth has lost the ball a couple of times because he holds onto it, but he's trying to get himself into position. Um, yeah, I think I think with Gareth Evans, he's uh, he's more patient with the build-up to a shot. But I also think that Ronan Curtis can call, catch a goalkeeper with his trousers down <laughs> with his like shots. Like that. Yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think... I think uh, Ronan Curtis is just a bit more raw, raw talent. Mm. And I think Gareth's really polished his game and knows how he plays, doesn't he? He's very versatile. But, he, you know, he sometimes, he, he when he scores a goal, it's generally pinpoint accuracy, isn't it? You know That's what I mean? What he, I mean. He, yeah. So, um, I think Ronan's got that sort of more mega blast of a shot rather than that uh, sort of placement. Evans has been at least two goals of the season contenders the last few years now. Yeah, at least two. 
in the official Portsmouth top goals of the season. I'm pretty sure he's been at least two two goals every season there. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, with Bogle um, over Hawkins, uh, statistically, we're on more points when Bogle's played because obviously teams haven't sussed us out as much. But where Hawkins has been given a rest, if you will, starting, it might throw them off by starting him. Completely throw them off. Yeah, maybe maybe we just go the whole same tactics, the same formation, and if it isn't working, we make the same substitutions. Mm, yeah, just switch around. Yeah. So maybe go, okay, let's start with Evans and Hawkins. And then if it doesn't work, can't bring on Bogle. I mean, Bogle, I believe, on his first half, first game was a substitute at halftime and scored. Yeah, he did. He came on and made a big impact as well. So, okay, cool. Right. Do you know what? Let's do it, Greg. It got to that time. Score prediction time. What are you feeling? I am feeling a 3-1 victory. I think we're going to go 1-0 at half time. Mm -hmm. We're going to go 2-0. We're going to do a Portsmouth and go 2-1. And then we're going to finish them off. And I would say... Okay, this is we spent all this time talking about who's starting now. Um, if it stays as the team is, I can see Lowe and Curtis and Bogle each getting a goal if the team stays as Sunderland. Okay. So and, um, I can fair to get in a cheeky two yard punt. That fat, that fat <laughs> bastard. He's gonna. It's, you think it's gonna happen, isn't it? Okay, yeah. Doki. So what I'll do is I'm gonna go with a a romp, mate. I'm gonna go. We're gonna be in high form. We're gonna win four one. Yeah. Right. Wickham haven't won in eleven games. They're shocking. We got the number this time round. As again, I'm gonna go with uh, Joe Jacobson to get the Wickham consolation goal. Okay. At the end, the left back. Why not? And with the four goals, I'm going to go with a Pittman brace, Ben Close, and Lee Brown from 40 yards. Right. I've written all this down, just just uh, for quick reference. I know it's going to be announced to the world. Yeah. Yeah, why Pittman for a brace? Because Pittman doesn't do hat-tricks. And if yeah. he did, they'd be the best hat-tricks in the world. I still can't <laughs> No, it's yeah. going to be a brace. I reckon Wickham will chop us down. Pittman will take a penalty and he'll get another one in open play. Yeah, that's true. And we are due to give someone a, a romp in. And yeah. Now's the time. Maybe that's I'm right. flying high on the, on the Wembley win, but I, I think we, we can due to give someone a romp in and Wickham are there for the taking, mate. When was the last time? Fleetwood, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the <laughs> Yeah. We've not scored that many Old goals in ages. Oh, didn't he try to make out the better team? Yeah. Both times. Yeah, well, he's Both an times, yeah, yeah. so fair enough. Well, he's, he's something else, but I'm not going to say, I'm going to use that word. Oh, no, tell her, like Bradford, it was the last lump in we gave 5 1. Absolutely spanking. Close, got his brace. Yeah. Bradford, his, or, Bradford down the bottom, aren't they? They're rock bottom of the league. Yeah, but still, like I said, only six points to get away. Well, they might be able to do it, but won't go into it now, but Bradford. I have no hope for them to come back and save themselves. I think they're down. I don't even know if they've got a manager yet. They've had so many managers, haven't they? We should uh, talk I about Mourinho's looking for a job. Who is? Mourinho. Mourinho. What a step <laughs> now. Mourinho's QPR. Mourinho's QPR. You heard it here first. 
Mourinho's QPR trademark, Greg. Well, Greg, it's been absolutely awesome, mate, having you on the podcast. Um, absolutely to be here. Yeah, do you want to plug anything or shout uh, anything? Yeah, just uh, to everyone, please once again give a shout out to Chiv and Pompey Memes for their well his support of the ladies' football. Um, oh God, I don't even know what else. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I just hope everyone's enjoyed this uh, as much as I've enjoyed making it. And yeah, I say we roll on until Saturday. And I look forward to watching the match. And I'll be sharing the goals as always. And I hope you have a great time, Hugh. I will, mate. Go in there. Yep, cheesy chips in the executive box. Are you going to wear a jacket and a football shirt? Or are you going to go, like, full-on suit? I'm going to wear a Stone Island jumper and a snap cap. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm not even. Brilliant. I don't, no, I... I don't know. I'll be wearing, I'll be wearing a, some sort of T-shirt, probably, in jeans, mate. Good. That's what you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, other than that, I probably think of about 50 things to shout out once I've come. <laughs> That's it. Well, give Greg a follow at Walks This Way on Twitter and keep an eye because Greg does all the goals if you don't know already so you can see the goals in action uh, when Pompey are playing Greg mate it's been awesome cheers again thanks again thanks dude alright bye you have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News Now available on SoundCloud Spotify and Apple Podcasts follow PO forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information And there is the full-time whistle!